morning. Today we're continuing on in our series entitled Unshakable Faith in an Unsteady World. And really today's message is part two of the message I began last week. So I have to begin with a little bit of review so that we're all on the same page uh, before I get into the specifics of today's message. In this series, Unshakable Faith in an Unsteady World, basically we're addressing this question. What will grip you? Fear or faith? What will grip you? Fear or faith? The ancient Israelites that God delivered from bondage to Egypt, they stood at the edge of the promised land. This people that had seen the mighty hand of God, uh, you know, the ten plagues and, and all these deliverance miracles. And they stand at the edge of the promised land. And they're supposed to enter into the promised land. But instead of entering into the promised land, they were paralyzed by fear. Faith propels you, right? Fear paralyzes you. And they were paralyzed by fear, and they did not enter into the promises of God. Well, prior to this moment, their great leader, Moses, had selected 12 leaders from each tribe of Israel. And these explorers went into the land that they were about to enter into to see what it was like. And two of them came back with a good report. Joshua and Caleb, they said, we should, we should go in there. We should take the land. But 10 came back with a bad report. Here's what they said in Numbers chapter 13, verses 31 through 33. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack these people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anna come from the Nephilim. We seem like what? Grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we look the same to them. That generation of Israelites delivered from Egypt suffered from grasshopper syndrome. They saw themselves as inadequate and small. The obstacles before them loomed larger than life, and they forgot God. Listen, fear will grip your heart. Fear will grip your heart when you focus on circumstances and obstacles instead of God. When you forget God, fear then will grip your heart. Fast forward with me now. That generation that was paralyzed by fear, that didn't enter into the promised land, they were sentenced basically by God to wander 40 years in the wilderness. They've died off. They've died off. Now a new generation has come uh, to be, and they're under new leadership. Moses, that great leader of Israel, is no longer alive. His longtime aide, Joshua, one of the 12 explorers who said we should go into the land, has now been raised up by God to be the new leader, and they once again stand on the edge. Will they enter in? Will faith grip them or will fear grip them? And God has some interaction with Joshua in Joshua chapter 1. He basically gives Joshua a pep talk. And I love this pep talk because contained in this pep talk numerous times is be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be a man of faith. Be a leader of faith. Don't be gripped by fear. Be gripped by faith, and basically from this interaction of God with Joshua, we're taking our theme verse for this fall series, Unshakable Faith in an Unsteady World. It's Joshua 1.9, and I'd like us to read this out loud together uh, as, a, as a declaration of faith this morning. Would you read it with me, please? Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. 
For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So God meets with Joshua, and then Joshua meets with the people, and he says to the people after this interaction with God in Joshua 1, prepare yourself. Get ready. In three days, in three days, something spectacular is going to take place. And Joshua gives us kind of a faith perspective here, and let me articulate it for you, and then I'll talk about it. You are called to live in anticipation of what God will do in your life. You are called to live in anticipation. And often you have to trust your unknown future to a known God. So basically Joshua was doing something very biblical. He's talking to the people of God saying, listen, anticipate what God is going to do. Prepare yourself for what God is going to do. Be ready for what God is going to do. And I want to ask you something, church, today. Are you people who anticipate what God will do? Could that be said of you and me? Do we look to the future and do we say, yes, I know God. I don't know my future, but I know God's a great God and I know he'll do more than I can hope for or even expect. Are, is that you? Is that me? Because that's who God wants us to be, amen? He wants us to be people who anticipate what he's up to in faith. And so that third day is quickly approaching and God gives the Israelites some instructions here in Joshua 3, uh, verse 13. Listen to this. They're, they're going to have to cross this Jordan River right now that's in flood stage, okay? So it's a raging river. They're going to have to cross the Jordan River to enter into the new land. So God gives them this instruction about crossing the Jordan River. As soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, that being the Jordan River, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. This instruction by God contains an incredibly important principle we have to get if we want to be people who walk by faith, not by fear. If we want to be what I'm beginning to call first steppers. It's called the law of the first step. It's called the law of the first step, and it's this. Sometimes God waits to act until you begin to move in faith. Sometimes God waits to act until you begin to move in faith. The Jordan was at flood stage, and God is saying to Joshua and gang, listen, as soon as the priests take a step into that raging river, it's at flood stage now. Like I mentioned last week, when it wasn't at flood stage, archaeologists say there's about 60 places that, that people would just cross the river, but now it's at flood stage, which means it's about 100 150 feet wide and about 10 to 15 feet deep, and it's raging, it's running down. The Jordan River means river that rapidly descends. It's, it's going like crazy. As soon as that priest steps into the water, boom, what'll happen? The water will pile up. It'll quit flowing. But they had to do what? Take that step of faith. And as soon as they take that step of faith, we read that the water did indeed quit flowing. It piled up at a little town called Adam. And the Israelites were able to walk over on dry land and begin to possess the land that God had promised to them. And I left us with this challenge last week. What is your Jordan River? Where is God asking you to take a step of faith that probably will change your life forever, that will get you on a journey of faith, that will take you to a place in the future that you're presently not at. And I asked you last week, be in anticipation of today's moment. Think about it. Pray about it. What is gripping you in fear that should grip you in faith? Where in your life are you not following God? Where well, you should be following God. Where in your life is God challenging you? And where is God saying, listen, you're fearful? And I want to place that fear with faith. So now we're kind of caught up. 
and we're ready to kind of proceed on with today's message. We're going to get back to a response moment at the end of service. But for now, I want to continue to use that generation of Israelites that were under the leadership of Joshua to really flesh out a little bit with you what it means to be what I'm beginning to call first steppers. People who step into situations first and foremost in faith, not in fear. So we're going to look at the characteristics of first step living. So the Israelites, they cross the Jordan River, right? Now, I don't know how you would be. I know how I'd be. I'd be going, woo-hoo! Was that loud? I mean, I just saw the Jordan River pile up in a heap of water. That's a miracle, right? I wouldn't cross the river and go, uh, I'm a Midwesterner. I don't show any emotion here. <laughs> you know, just another day with God. No, I'd be going, whoa, are you kidding me? The river's all piled up. Let's go. That would be my attitude. Let's get after this thing. That's not God's plan. They cross the river, and the very first thing God says to the Israelites is, circumcise all the men. Now, I don't know about you. I'd go, oh, shoot. (laughs) That's not the good news I wanted to hear. (laughs) You know, there's never a convenient time to be circumcised. I'm going to tell you what. (laughs) You know, this doesn't seem like it makes sense, God. We're across the Jordan, and before we were on the other side of the Jordan, over here we're safe. Now we're in the enemy territory, and you want all of us to get circumcised. That's going to lay us all up for a few days, and we're in enemy territory. We're going to be vulnerable. I think this is a bad plan. That would be my initial reaction. Seriously. And you look at this and you think, why, God, would you do this at this point? Why not do it prior to this? That makes more sense. But God, I think, was asking this people to be vulnerable and to trust him, to be their protection. And if I'm a first-step person, if I'm a person who takes steps of faith instead of fear, I'm going to understand this, and I think we can get this from this request of God. I must obey God even when the timing isn't convenient. Even when the timing isn't convenient. I admit as a man, there would never be a convenient time to be circumcised, okay? But this seems really inconvenient. And often following God is just an inconvenient thing. And its timing is not our timing. And it seems so frequently that God's timing is contrary to our timing. It just doesn't make sense at times. And to be a first stepper, I have to quit trying to figure that out and be willing to follow the prompting and the leading of the Holy Spirit and do things according to God's timetable. This has been one of my lifelong lessons to to learn. I don't know about you, but oftentimes I'm an analyzer and I think, God, you know what? Boom, boom, boom. Then it'll all work out. And God says, see those eight steps? Throw them out because I'm going to do what I want to do and you just got to follow me. Amen? It is never convenient to follow God. God's timing is very rarely our timing. So if I'm going to be a first stepper, I'm going to begin to listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to begin to say, I'm going to take that step of faith in you, God. Uh, Timing isn't what I would have, but done. But you know, you're God, I'm not. Amen? So let's get to another big lesson on first step living. It's revealed in Joshua 5, verse 12. Let me read that to you. The manna stopped the day after they ate this food from the land. There was no longer any manna for the Israelites, but that year they ate the produce of Canaan. So as a first stepper, I realized this. At times, God will remove something I have become dependent upon. At times, God will remove something I have become dependent upon. The Israelites no longer needed the manna. So often in our lives, when we think 
God is moving, we think more, 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 right? And sometimes when God is moving, what is happening is what? <clears throat> less, less, removal, take away. How often have we praised God and thanked God when he has taken something away from our lives? We usually thank him for his abundant provision uh, uh, when he does these, these great things in life. But very rarely do we say, thank you, God, for taking that out of my life. I wonder if the Israelites were thankful because they didn't like the man. I think they were maybe getting bored with manna. I don't know. But it was pretty easy, right? You go out and collect manna in the morning. That was pretty easy living, amen? I mean, the grocery store was right there in the grass. Just go pick it up, and you ate. And now it's a little more inconvenient. It, it, because of, but the land was going to supply the produce for the Israelites. No longer did, did, was God going to provide the produce for people. I have to uh, just share this with you. All right, it's, my, it's a personal story, but I think it illustrates really well how God removes sometimes so that we grow. As a young person, I grew up in a very traditional kind of church. I grew up in Minnesota, so guess what kind of church that was? Any of you guess? Minnesota, Lutheranism. That's what I grew up in because that's what like 80% of the state is and the rest is Catholic. And um, the church I grew up with, I had a great pastor, by the way. Pastor Harley is his name. He loved the Lord Jesus Christ. But get this, the church was pretty dry. I'm not trying to be critical. It was, that comes across critical, doesn't it? But it was pretty dry experience. And it's pretty routine and you go there and you read from the green book or the red book depending on what generation you grew up with and 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 you know it was pretty pretty much tame and controlled and i remember as a young guy i just wanted god amen i wanted to have a relationship with this living god i wanted to i wanted to have it be something that would seem more real to me and i was really really earnestly seeking after that and then something began to happen in our area of the twin cities there i lived in the north side of the twin cities uh we begin to experience what is called the charismatic movement are any of you familiar with that and god began to sweep through a lot of churches and we begin to discover the holy spirit the person of the holy spirit and we begin to discover that that there's this living relationship that we're to have and we're to be anointed with the holy spirit and life's supposed to be lived entirely different it was wonderful it was a wonderful thing that happened. And I, I began to go to churches. Anyone I could find that was involved with the charismatic movement, I went to the uh, Souls Harbor downtown Minneapolis for years uh, when I was in high school. I loved that place. The, the preaching was crazy, and everybody actually believed God's word, and it was just whooping and hollering, you know, stuff I wasn't even used to or never seen before in my life. And it was great. And then it, it began to move into the Jesus People movement. There was a Jesus People church that was there. And then, then uh, Vicky and I, when we first got married, we went to the this church called Way of the Cross, and it was a charismatic church, and it was really cool, and I cut my teeth on that movement, and I really liked it. And then you know what happened? I graduated from college, got a job, because you have to grow up, right, guys? I'm looking at you. No, you don't. You don't have to grow up. Some, some are extending their college years to 28, 30, 40, whatever, anyway. You don't have to grow up, but I, I, I got a job, and they transferred me to southern Iowa, and there were no churches like that in the area we ended up being in. And I mourned the loss of that in my life. And it was hard. And I remember saying to Vicki frequently, this is like being in the desert. This is just so backwards. That's kind of the words I would use, right? And then God began to do work deep in my own heart. And he began to speak to me, is this about a movement or is this about me? 
Is this about having cool worship times or is this about being more dependent on me? And I begin to grow up in my faith and I begin to see, God, you know what? It isn't dependent on a church. It's not dependent on the right circumstance. It is dependent on you, isn't it? And I begin to pray all the time. I begin to pray lengths of time. I begin to really get into the word. I begin to really uh, seek after God. And God began to give me word after word. I'm preparing you. I'm preparing you. You need to grow up. You need to become dependent on me. I'm removing so that you become more dependent on me. I'm preparing you for future things in your life you're not even aware of. You don't even know how to pray for. And so I begin to say, okay, God, I'll just follow after you. It feels bad, though, because you're removing all this good stuff I love. Why? And then it became apparent here as I moved back uh, up this way and moved to Brookings and began to enter into ministry that God was preparing me for such a day as this. And that's not about a movement. It's about a God we love, amen? It's about Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And I remember thinking, I'll never see those days I saw back then again. And you know what I'm seeing today? Those days I saw back then. And I'm amazed at who God is. And I'm amazed at the weekly encounters I have with people that, you know, two or three weeks ago, they weren't following Jesus Christ, now they're following Jesus Christ, and they're doing all this stuff that the Holy Spirit's telling them to do. And I'm going, you're amazing, God. I see that four or five times a week. And I go, God, you have prepared me for a day such as this. But it was by what? It was by removal. It was by removal. It wasn't by getting more and more and more and more, all right? So sometimes God moves in our lives by taking away. So, okay, now we have the men of Israel. They're healed up. They're ready for action. And the first place that it possesses is this little town of Jericho. It's five acres. It's a little town. And God says, go take it, right? No. God says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to march around that little place for six days. I imagine there were so many Israelites that the front of the march ran into the back of the march. They're only going around five acres. That's smaller than Volga. I love you Volganarians. I don't even know how you say that. It's a tiny little town. And they're marching around this thing. Six days, seventh day, march seven times at the end of the march, blow some trumpets and give a great shout. And I think as a strategic guy, I would go, are you kidding me? What kind of plan is this? Let's just take it over, man. Let's just overwhelm them. Here's one last point of what it means to be a first step taker. I must follow God even when it doesn't make sense. I must follow God even when it doesn't make sense. Who goes to war by marching, tooting horns and shouting? Well, there's a lot to shouting because you're kind of amping yourself up, but you get what I mean. So here, listen to me on this. Think with me on this for a moment. We're talking about being First steppers now, taking that first step of faith. This is why it's hard. This is why it's difficult for us to actually do this kind of thing in our life because oftentimes the timing doesn't seem right. It seems inconvenient. God asks us to do something. We're going, that's not my timing, God. But God says it's my timing. And we think in terms of more and more and more, that's God's blessing. We think in terms of abundance and having a lot of, and God oftentimes thinks in terms of less and simplification. And oftentimes we say, God, I want to do this. And God says, that's not my plan at all. I am not a man that I think like a man. And his ways are not our ways. And oftentimes we're going, oh man, that is not at all what I would do, God. Come on. And that's why being a person of faith is often so utterly difficult. So I pray we have a bigger picture of what it means to be people of faith. Now last week I ended the message with a challenge to you. What is your Jordan River? We're back to that again. We're back to that moment. 
I wanted to talk a little bit more about what it means to be a first stepper, though, and what it means to step out in faith to prepare us for the moment we're about to enter into. So what is God wanting to do in your life? In what way is he wanting to move in your life today? Let's personalize this. The priests in Joshua's time, they had to take that step into the river. They had to take that first step. Where is God asking you to be that kind of a person, to take a step into something he's telling you to take a step into and trust in him utterly? Such first steps may not make sense to the natural mind. They may not be in your timing. They may be giving up something, not getting more of something. That's what stepping to the Jordan often looks like. So what's your Jordan this morning? Maybe for some of you, your Jordan this morning is simply this. God is saying to you, saying to your heart, you need to trust with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, that Jesus Christ is indeed the Savior of this world, and you need to begin to really anchor into that thing and trust in it. And today, your Jordan is simply stepping in to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Maybe today, your Jordan is this. God is saying, it's time to trust your career and your schooling to me. Your identity is not in who you are or what you do or what major you get or what career you experience. Your identity is in Jesus Christ, amen? And today, God may be saying to you, step into that truth and get out of the rat race of this world. God may be saying, I'm going to remove something from your life. I'm going to help you simplify. Will you embrace that as good, as right, as God ordained? Maybe it's time to give your marriage to Jesus Christ, to give your mate to Jesus Christ, to give your kids to Jesus Christ. Maybe God is saying, Today is the day where you really begin in these areas of your life to live for me. Maybe you fear rejection of people, and today God is saying, enough. Maybe you fear rejection of people so much you compromise your faith, you compromise your witness. And God is saying to you today, do not be ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to save people. Amen? Maybe that's your, your Jordan River today. Maybe you have a foul mouth. When you get angry, what comes out of there isn't praise Jesus. Jesus may be in there, but you may not be praising him, amen? And it's today, today, God says, come on. Have faith, not fear. Don't, don't let this dominate your life. Let Christ dominate your life. I know a lot of people who are just cynical and always seem to be a little bit angry. Is that how God wants us to live? Seriously, I know such ones that I'm going, I'm so tired. You just make me tired. I just want to take a nap. Because it's got to be exhausting to live like that. It's got to just be exhausting. That's not the faith life that God has called us to. He's called us to have joy unspeakable. The joy of the Lord is our strength. There's tough things going on around us, but let's not be one of the tough things going on, right? Let's make sure the issues are the problem, not us being the problem. And God may want to take us from that place to this place of deep faith today. John Ortberg says in his materials, but by the way, we're using John Ortberg's stuff for our small groups. John Ortberg said there was this man who was facing the Jordan River. And he was having this conversation with his wife. And every day he would, he'd say, I'm getting to the edge of this situation, and I know I need to make a decision, but my palms start sweating like crazy whenever I think about it. And then about an hour later in this conversation, they're still having the same conversation, and he goes, every time I think about this thing, I get a dry mouth. And his wife turned to her husband, and I'm sure she said this in love, because wives always do that, amen? Lick your palms. And what she meant by that is, it's palm licking time. Just make a decision. Just do it. 
If your palms are sweating, your mouth is dry, lick your palms and go on and make the decision. And today I think God is saying that to you and I in some areas of our life, one area of our life. So here's what we're going to do right now. Um, we're going to understand this by, by a belay illustration. Do you know what I mean when I use the word belay? No idea, do you? At our, at our ropes course in Rapid City, we have this leap of faith tower. I talked about this last week. You climb up in this telephone pole and you jump like eight feet and grab a trapeze from the top of this telephone pole. That's like 30 feet off the air and 12 inches in diameter. But you are belayed into somebody on the ground. What that means is you have a lifeline attached to that person on the ground and then they're your anchor point. Me, being belayed to somebody means that I have this person, you know, taking care of me on the ground with a safety rope. Last week at our, uh, at our, uh, our you know, kickoff, we had this little climbing wall out there and Dave and, and Jesse harnessed up together and Jesse was belayed to Dave, Pastor Dave to Pastor Jesse. I don't know if I would trust Pastor Dave with anything, but anyway, <laughs> no, I just, that would only be funny. I wish he was sitting in here because that would be more funny then. But at any rate, um, but at any rate, Jesse climbed up and, and, and Pastor Dave was holding them and, and they were belayed together. Listen, God is asking you and me to belay to him, to be attached to him. He is our lifeline. Whatever you fear, even that leap of faith, so that person takes this leap of faith from the top of the telephone pole, right? And they jump to the trapeze. They're 30 feet off the ground. But really, what's going on? They got a rope. They got a safety rope. They're not going to fall to their death. Why? Well, unless that person is not paying attention on the ground, you know, then they might let them fall to their death. I don't know. But at any rate, they're not going to fall to their death. But listen, to, God's asking, asking us to take a step of faith, but we're tied into whom? Jesus Christ. Aren't we? And what we think is really risky, oftentimes I can just hear God saying, I gotcha, I gotcha. Take that step of faith, I gotcha. So we need to belay in this morning to Jesus Christ. So here's what we're going to do for a few moments. We have a, 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 a way of physically actually kind of doing this. So you're going to come up. Take one of these carabiners out of this question mark bucket. This represents whatever God is saying, give to me today. And what you're going to do is you're going to walk over here to this cross and you're going to snap it on to this line. And that's symbolic that you're belaying into Jesus Christ. And then after you do that, you're going to grab one of those carabiners from that bucket over there. there there's two buckets here that looks like this. You know what it says on it? Joshua 1.9. Our theme verse for this series of messages. Joshua 1.9. Have courage. Don't be discouraged. I am with you wherever you go. You're to tie into God and you're to be fastened to Jesus Christ. Um, here's what I want you to do to prepare for this moment in your note-taking guide. There is a first step conclusion here. It says, God, by your grace, I'm taking a step in faith in regards to blank. What area is God saying today is today? Blank, tie into me. And then you come up here, you pick up this carabiner representing that issue, you walk over to the cross, you snap it onto that line, you pick up your carabiner, and you go home and you say, I am attached to God. I'm standing fast in Jesus Christ. I am not governed by fear, I'm governed by faith. So here's how we're going to do this. Let me get pragmatic with you for a moment. Center sections. You're going to start with the front row, and you guys start, right? You come to the center. You walk here first, and everybody follows. You go over there, attach the cross. You pick up your carabiner, and you go sit down. So you're going like this, all right? 
outside row, two sections. At the very same time that they're doing this, you're going to do it also. You're going to go over there, though. So you gentlemen will start and go over there, pick up that, snap in there, pick up your th- uh, carabiner, and then sit down. So we got these two sections going at once. Balcony, I love you. You're not going to get out of this. You may be remote from me in spirit, but you're going to be close to me in heart. So you're going to come down, you're going to do it too. So as soon as the, the main section is done, then each section you're going to go down, to the, down the stairs, pick up your carabiners, attach it to the cross, pick up your one to take home, and walk back upstairs, okay? You got it? If you can't make it down the stairs for some reason, we do have these carabiners out in buckets here uh, by the doors that you come in over here on Orchard Drive or downstairs. But if you can't come up for some reason, make it a mental exercise, at least do it in your head. Here's what I want to say with you. Every one of us has an issue today, I think without exception, where we need to do this. If you don't, let me come rub on you or something. I need you. I don't know, you know, nobody is without an issue. In my own life, I'm facing several issues right now. I'm going to get real transparent with you that are really hard. My father-in-law right now is in the University of Minnesota Hospital, and he has a problem in the cerebellum. There's a tumor. They think it's a tumor. And he's 80 years old, so he's not a real young guy. And we love him. And he doesn't, it doesn't look good. And so Vicky's there, and I'm praying for her. I'm getting all this texting back and forth. And we get a gob of medical people in our family, which just makes it really interesting. <laughs> but you know what? I just love John. And I'm tearing up at home because I lost both of my parents about 10 years ago. And now I think, oh. I was hoping he'd be around for a while. And I still am, okay? But, but in this situation, I've constantly been saying, God, I'm choosing faith, not fear. No matter what happens with John, you love him. John loves you. He's your follower. And if you want to take him home, you're God. I'm not. I sure would like him to be around for a while longer. Right? It's okay to pray like that. But God, you will be done. I'm a person of faith, not of fear. Fear will not grip my heart because greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. We all face issues. We just don't verbalize them. We need to verbalize them. Hey, you know what's coming up here real soon? We're going to talk to you a little bit about a building expansion. Some great things are going on behind the scenes. You have no idea. It's going to be a great moment. But you know what? For me, for the last two years, what's been heavy on my heart is this issue. I'm thinking, oh, God, help me to have faith, not fear. Help us to be visionary here, not people of trepidation and fear everything. Listen, the healthier we are as a church, the bigger we get here as a church, the more we can help other people. Amen? Sometimes people look like over there or it's more spiritual than here. Or we, we don't want to play that game. The greater the local church is, the stronger the local church is, the more she is positioned to help and to impact culture. So growth and and buildings, they're not negative. They're good. They're great, in fact, because it means God's up to something. Amen? Am I convinced you of that? Some of you are not so sure, are you? Well, we'll leave that for a few weeks down the road. What are you facing today? Make sure you give it to God. We need to get this thing going because you're going to take a long time to pick up your stuff and do it. Praise team's going to play a couple songs while you do this, but front row, all you front row people, be courageous. Amen, yeah. Take a step of faith. Have no fear. God is with you. So you need to step right out and do this. So here we go. You step out and begin to uh, interact with God. But let this be a God moment.